last November, so November a year ago, uh, I went out on my, uh, my morning run, and it was still dark outside, and I went out, and I was running, and uh, I was along VFW Parkway in West Roxbury, and uh, I was running in through a uh, crosswalk, and I was completely legal. I was right in the middle of a crosswalk when I saw a car flying through a stop sign and coming right at me, and uh, the car was looking left to turn right and didn't see me in the middle of the crosswalk and hit me. Uh, fortunately, I pulled out my ninja moves and jumped in the air, and while I was in the air, it clipped my, my feet, and I rolled over the hood of the car and was on the ground on the other side of the car, and I'm alive, praise God, parkour. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a, a crazy, crazy moment, but the, I think the worst part about the incident was that I, for some reason, thought it would be a good idea to tell my wife about this story, and so I went home, and I told my wife, and she didn't want me to ever run again for as long as I live, and uh, I said, there's got to be a solution to this. Well, her solution was Christmas to uh, buy me all kinds of blinking gadgets so that I would light up. And so Christmas rolls around, and I, at Christmas time, uh, I, I now have a blinking vest. I have uh, these clamps that clamp onto your heels of your sneakers that every time your foot strikes the ground, they blink. I have not one, but two headlamps uh, that two different people bought me. I guess she was spreading the word by my husband, blinking things. And so I had headlamps. I had these uh, clamps that you could clamp on to different spots of your body that would, would blink. And now I'm basically uh, the running Christmas tree. So if you ever uh, see the running Christmas tree and you're, you see him flashing, that would be, that'd be me. And uh, the deal is now I, you, you just can't miss me. And uh, really what I want to think th- about this morning is that reality, is that that is what God wants for every single one of us, that, that God wants us to uh, shine so bright that you can't miss us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Familiar? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I always think about coming over Metropolitan here, up here by Hill, over here by Burger King, and, and at nighttime and seeing the city. And a city, uh, you, you can't miss it, right, when it's, it's glowing at night. You are to be a city set on a hill. Uh, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, hear that. Just to be clear, I want to make sure we hear that. Can or cannot be hidden? Cannot be hidden cannot be hidden. So that's God's desire is that as followers of Jesus that we not fly under the radar screen, that we're not undercover, that yes, our relationship with Jesus is a personal relationship, but it's not a private relationship. That's how God has designed it. He wants you to live your life in such a way that you cannot be hidden, or should I say that you cannot be hit, right? That's how he wants you to live your, your life. And so we're in the middle of this Advent uh, Christmas sermon series that we're calling From Dark to Light. And we're looking at the theme of light as seen in the first Advent of Jesus or the first coming of Jesus. Now be reminded that Advent is really twofold, that we're thinking about the, the first coming of Christ at Christmas, but we're also thinking about his, his second coming again for his people when he will ultimately uh, make all things new. And, uh, and, and we're anticipating that day as well. And so we're, we're waiting for Jesus, uh, those of us who are post uh, the original Advent. And so we're thinking about uh, in this, this Advent series uh, light. And, and really with Christmas, light is everywhere. We have 
have lit up homes, we have uh, lit up trees, we have lit up runners, we have light everywhere, which ultimately is to point us back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, which will tell us that the people have walked in darkness, but they are now seeing a great light. And that great light that prophecy is pointing to is Jesus. And in the Christmas story, the coming of Jesus, hundreds of years after that prophecy, there's really light everywhere in the familiar uh, Christmas story. We have uh, angel appearances to uh, Zechariah and to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds. We have the shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And then there's a multitude of heavenly hosts, angels who fill the sky and sing, but they light up the night sky. And then, of course, we have the, the star that the magi, the wise men, follow uh, to be directed to this newborn king. However, the great light and all of it is Jesus himself. And that light will grow. It will continue to grow grow until it ultimately culminates in a new heavens and a new earth and a heavenly city where we as God's people will all reside, of which Revelation chapter 21 verse 23 says, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. And so Jesus himself will be forever and ever and ever our lamp, our light. Now, I love to memorize Scripture, something I've been doing for a long time since I was a kid. I highly recommend it uh, to you guys. Uh, But I've made the mistake in the past of mis-memorizing Scripture. For example... Romans chapter 3, 23. I, I memorized it as a kid uh, to say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Great verse, powerful verse. But in my mid-20s, I realized that I had mismemorized that. That it's not for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some big theological implications there, right? Like, do we sin only in our past and then when we become followers of Jesus, we're, we're perfect and, and we're good? Is that how it works? No, of course. We, we continue to sin. We continue to fall short and he still loves us and he's still got a plan for our lives and we're still covered by his, his grace if we trust in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Our future sins even are dealt with. And, and so ever since that mis-memorization uh, of scripture, I've been really uh, careful to to pay attention. And so I had this moment uh, in preparing uh, for uh, just thinking through light uh, a while back. And, and I remember thinking, oh no, I, I might have done it again just for a split second. Uh, because I had in my mind Jesus saying, you are the light of the world. And I said, wait a second. Or is it I am the light of the world? And I, I remember going kind of back and forth. Is it us, Christians? Are the light of the world, or is it is it him, Jesus, who is light of the world? And I I remember just taking a quick minute, skimming through my Bible and saying, Oh, oh, good. I it's both. He's the light of the world, we're the light of the world. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so I am the light of the world. But then as we just read, Matthew chapter 5, 14, he says, You Followers of Jesus, you are the light of the world. So I'm not a heretic. Good news, you can continue to come to this church. But he's saying, he's saying, like a fire, Jesus is is the bonfire, so to speak. And we we gather around him as his people, and then we dip our torches in. We we get our torches lit, and then we bring that flame all over 
the world. Our gatherings here are, are, are designed to be like camp meetings where we come together Sundays and in midweek in our discipleship groups and our connection groups. We gather around him. We, we warm our souls. We swap stories. We hear words of encouragement. We, we hear news. We're reminded. We're resourced. We're, 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 we're cared for. And then we are sent out as as living lanterns, so to speak, with the light of Christ within us. He says, whoever has the light, because we follow him, we have the light, right? We have the light. So we're to bring the light. We're to bring the warmth. We're to bring the the hope. We're to bring the provision to our world. And if you've hung around here for any length of time, one thing I hope that you cannot miss is that we are, we're not all about Sunday as a church. We're, We're just, we're not all about this, this one and a half hour block. We, we think this is important and we want to do this well, but, but we're not all about Sunday. This is not like a Sunday thing. Church is not just, just Sunday. We gather and we warm up so that we can scatter. We gather so that we can scatter, so that we can bring light to the world. And so we are unapologetic about the fact that we are not trying to build a country club to, to be comfortable together as Christians in. And, and let me be clear, we're not even trying to build a hospital for you to bring your, your hurting people to. And I want to encourage you, bring hurting people in your life to. And, and some of you are thinking, wait a second, is this wrong? Because Mark chapter uh, 2, 17, Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So that's who he came for. But I, I get that. But here's what we're trying to build. We're trying not to build a a country club, not even to build a hospital. We're trying to build kind of a training resourcing center so that you can then go out as first responders on the front line because the odds are that people are not dying to come in here. They're dying out there and we got to bring the light to them. He is the light of the world and now you as followers of Jesus have light and you are the light of God the world. And so with that, every Christmas season, one of the things that we do as a church is we, we have an annual uh, Christmas offering throughout the month of December so that we can, can think, how can we pull our resources and then go and bring that light outside of the walls of this building? And so what I want to do uh, for the remainder of our time together uh, with this, this realization that our heart is to bring the light out and not just to gather around the fire is, is I want us to think about our three focus areas that we as a church are going to be giving towards this Christmas season. And so here's how it works. As, as we give to the Christmas offering this year, we're going to take Take that and we're going to divide it towards three different focus areas so that in these areas we can carry the light of Christ to the world. And so uh, the three areas that our Christmas offering will go to, we're going to divide it between our neighborhood, our world, and our youth. As we've prayed, God, specifically, what this year do you want us to, to give towards? Our neighborhood, our world, and our youth. It looks like this. Our neighborhood, serve Razi. Our world, the International Missions Board. And then third, our youth, that is our, our youth ministry, particularly to give camp scholarships so that we can get a bunch of kids up to New Hampshire for a life-changing uh, weekend. And so what I want to do is I just want to take a minute to, to walk you through these things and, and, and just think about it. And hopefully as you, you think about these things that you, you will be giving towards, you'll also kind of get a bit of our heart 
as a, as a church. So the first one uh, is, is really our neighborhood. Our, our spring initiative uh, is what we call Serve Rosie. We started this last year. Uh, we said we really want to do something uh, kind of a large scale so that we can make a big impact uh, in our, our neighborhood, the one closest to the, the walls of this building, bringing light and help and hope and love of Christ to people who are closest to us in this proximity, this location that we're in. And so uh, we want to be the kind of church that if we disappeared, we just vanished. People would say, where'd they go? That we would actually be missed. Sadly, I believe there are lots of churches, the way they're living, that if they were gone tomorrow, nobody would care. And we want to be the kind of church that people would actually care, even those people who don't go to the church. And so last year we launched uh, Serve Razi. And it was really great. We, we were able to uh, do six uh, large-scale kind of community projects. Just to highlight uh, some of them for you. Uh, one, one team painted the Casserly House, which is this uh, house in Rosendale, this, this outreach in Rosendale that provides learning experiences and support services for people who are underserved. And so they have adult literacy programs, they have immigration, employment services, uh, mentoring and tutoring for at-risk youth. And so we were able to, to, to paint and clean up that space. It was really a great opportunity and a great new uh, relationship. Uh, another team helped uh, stock and serve at the Rosendale Food Pantry uh, for a day and was really a blessing uh, to the Rosendale Food Pantry. Another team uh, of youth and children uh, came together to clean up uh, and mulch and to paint all around this building here and uh, beautified it. And it was a really uh, sweet uh, group of kids and families. And they came together and sanded and, and painted and planted flowers and mulching. And, and it was sweet to watch little kids uh, doing that together. Uh, another team uh, got together organized painted and created a, a display for Rosendale Village Main Street Association, which is a, a kind of a, a community redevelopment organization here in the neighborhood. And they were so encouraged uh, by all that that team did, creating a window display as well, and just a, a great impact there. Another team overhauled the youth room for the Boston Youth and, youth and Center for Youth and Families over here right in Rosendale, also known as the Rosendale Community Center. And they cleaned that up, painted it, and uh, made it look really cool for the youth there. And that uh, was great. Another team uh, served hot chocolate uh, in the neighborhood. And so there's just a, lots of projects. And we're going to be doing Serve Razi again uh, this spring uh, and, and just seeking for new opportunities to impact our neighborhood and to serve and really be the, the hands and feet of Jesus uh, to the neighborhood. And so what your giving will do in part is help us create a budget specifically for Serve Razi. So really the more we're able to give, the more projects we're able to take on and the larger scale of the projects we're able to take on. And so excited about that. That's one third. We want to be a people that focus in on our neighborhood and not just in on ourselves. Next thing that we're focusing in on is, is yeah, we're called to love our Jerusalem, so to speak, but we're also called to think globally and to love our world. And, and it's incredibly obvious uh, that uh, as we read the scriptures that God is a heart. God has a heart for the globe. And uh, you could read through the Old Testament and think, wow, he's just all about Israel. But he was building the nation through which the Messiah would come, through which uh, life and liberty from sin would come uh, to all the world. And so uh, as you read the scriptures, you see that God has a heart for his glory to cover the earth like the waters. And uh, he wants his glory to be everywhere. He wants people to experience his life and his liberty uh, by, by following him. And so this is, this is made especially clear at the birth of Jesus in that the wise men were given the news of this coming Messiah. They are not Hebrews. They come from far reaches of the world and they come 
as a picture of the fact that the, the nations are brought in around Jesus. Jesus is a unifier, and so the nations are, are brought in. Later, Jesus will, before he dies, tell us, his followers, to go make disciples of, of all nations. And so he's about the nations. We're to be about the nations. We're constantly trying to point our people to the nations. One of the coolest things about living in Boston, a global city, is that uh, we have the nations coming to us all the time. And so we love that about this city. We embrace that about this city, that we want to be a people who are looking uh, at the nations around us and seeing that as a tremendous gift of God. And, and so one of the ways that we uh, seek to, to carry his light into our world is by partnering with what's called the International Mission Board. And uh, this year, as a church built into our budget, we're projected to give $16,700 towards the International Missions Board, but we also, through our Christmas offering, felt like we needed to give even beyond that so that we could really partner with bringing uh, the message of Jesus to the ends of uh, the world. So um, that's one of the, the aspects of our Christmas offering this year. And so what I want to do is just for you to just get a little bit of the heart of the International Missions Board, I just want to show you a video, and this is just a small sampling of the types of things uh, that they do. So look up on the screen and uh, enjoy this video. What I do as a physician demonstrates the love of God and the mercy of God and the hope of God. From an early point in my childhood, I can remember watching the first moon landing on a black and white TV and thinking, I want to do that job. Um, so I just pursued that. And then was able to get into an aerospace medicine residency program to work for NASA as a flight surgeon providing health care for the astronauts and their families. It really was a dream come true. But in many ways, my identity was not as a follower of Jesus Christ, but my identity had become, I'm a flight surgeon working for NASA. I really didn't think that I would leave NASA. God said, you need to make a choice. It was in our living room. I was saying to God, this job, is cool, but I don't need it, I need you. Whatever you want to do, I'm ready. When he finally came to me and told me that this is what he felt called to do, I just said, I've been waiting. God moved us to the country of Uganda where we served for 12 and a half years. From there, moved south to Lesotho, and then God brought us to Kigoma Baptist Hospital where we've been serving for the last seven years in western Tanzania. It literally is at the end of the road because we're right on the Lake Tanganyika. God has placed us in an area that is predominantly Islamic. Healthcare in our part of the world, there is a great limitation on resources that are available. We have patients that are admitted with severe malaria, dysentery. Every year we have an outbreak of cholera. We don't have the adequate numbers of resources and personnel on the field to be able to meet all the needs. But we have partnerships with a number of different churches and on various levels. When a church comes in and partners with us to provide that kind of care, it literally changes the, the people's lives, both physically but also spiritually. Using healthcare strategies is like a key that opens the door to get into a village that we might not have access to. Not far outside of the town that we live in is a small village. Completely unreached on the fringes of town. We met with local leaders and we asked permission to come to that village and do a week-long medical dental eye clinic. 
through that opportunity, uh, God used that to start a new church plant. That village has been a huge impact. Growing in their faith in Jesus Christ and being discipled, just this past week, one person came and repented and said, no, I need this Jesus. The kingdom of light is coming in Tanzania, bursting through the darkness like we've never seen before. So I wanted you to see that video just so you could get a, just a taste of the types of things that the International Mission Board is up to. And, and as we partner with them, there's just powerful stuff. I think when we think missions across the sea, we think typically somebody coming in with a Bible and just, just preaching. This is very strategic work that they're doing and uh, just so encouraged by uh, the direction that the International Missions Board has taken under the leadership of David Platt. And God's doing some really powerful stuff uh, through the, the organization. And uh, I'm, I'm just excited uh, for us as a church to be able to partner uh, year after year after year after year. The other reason I wanted you to, uh, to, to see that video is just to, just to see the heart of this man, because I think uh, as I look around the room, we have so many people in here who have various gifts and abilities, and, and to think strategically, how can my skill set be used to bring the, the gospel message to the ends of the world? And as the world comes to us, how can my skill set be used to, to minister to people? I was just talking to one of our own uh, just this week, uh, as he was talking about, he's, uh, you know, a, a great student and uh, is working on uh, fellowship work, and he's just talking about how he can use his, his studies to, to minister to, uh, to people that are right in front of him, uh, looking at a microscope alongside of him, and just really encouraged by that. So, uh, again, a portion of our offering will go to the International Mission Board, as it has for the past uh, number of years. I want you to be encouraged uh, to give so that we can get the gospel message uh, to the ends of uh, the earth. And then our final initiative that I want to take some time to think through uh, is that it's going to go towards our youth. Uh, listen, uh, God has put us in a very, very specific location so that we could be in a place, in part, where we could minister to younger people. Uh, there's something about this west side of the city. Uh, there are people with children uh, laying down roots for the long, talk, long haul. And so uh, in the Bible, you'll see story after story after story of young followers of God doing extraordinary things. You see people like, like David who slays Goliath as just a young boy, as, as Josiah who leads uh, about a, a massive revival and refocus on the scriptures as a young boy, as Esther who becomes queen at eight age 14 and saves the people from being slaughtered uh, in, in this massacre at age 19. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet, I think a lot of times we think about him as this gray-haired man with a long white beard and, and yet he says at the very beginning of his, his, his book, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said, do not say I am a youth. Jeremiah, writing, young, Young man, young Daniel refuses uh, to defile himself with the king's food as, as, as a young uh, teenage boy and raises up to be a, an influential world leader. Young Mary, as we celebrate Christmas, carries the Messiah as probably a middle school or young high school girl, travels hundreds of miles uh, and, 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 and saves the, the life of the Messiah as she flees uh, to Egypt. I mean, just incredible, incredible faith. 
faith of young people. Now, I want to I show you a passage of Scripture. We'll put it on the screen here that I think is, is so... I've always found this really intriguing. In Matthew chapter 17, there's this, this funky little miracle that takes place. And I want you to see this because I want you to see uh, our heart for youth comes from uh, Jesus' heart. Matthew uh, chapter 17, uh, here, here's what is said. Verse 24, it says, When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? And he said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke with him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And he said, From others. And Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast the hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. So Jesus does this funky little miracle here in paying taxes. And, and what, look, look at the scripture again. What, what is the second word of verse 24? It's they, when they came to Capernaum. So who would come to Capernaum with Jesus? They are Jesus and his posse, his disciples. And so some tax collectors come up to them, uh, to, to them, and specifically to Peter, and, and these tax collectors are collecting this two drachma tax, or what's known as the, the temple tax, and this uh, tax was given to support the temple, and it's been uh, enacted for a long time for the people of Israel, all the way back to Exodus uh, chapter 30, and so the tax collectors go up to Peter, and, and it says they, they come up to him because it's his hometown, and because he emerged uh, as the leader among the disciples, that's why they would have come up to Peter and so they say hey Pete is your is your uh, your leader there your great leader is he not going to pay the tax and and Jesus uh, you know goes about telling him well you know I really don't have to pay the tax but we're going to pay the tax Peter got it right he goes yeah 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 I think he's going to pay the tax and so he goes and he consults Jesus he says did I get that right you are you are going to pay the tax right now now here's the miracle Jesus says okay Peter I want you to go down to the sea cast the hook I like this this is this is good fishing right here he doesn't even say bait the hook. He said, just throw a hook. Just cast the hook out into the water. Take the first fish out that you catch. Open its mouth, and inside of the mouth, you will find a coin. What kind of coin? A shekel. He says, give that to the tax collectors for me and, and for yourself. Now, I want you to do a little math. We don't have any people from Maine in here, do we? Okay, so we can do math? Good. Uh, that was dirty. Uh, I've noticed wherever I've lived, there's always like uh, the state that you make fun of, right? Like when I was in Atlanta, you made fun of Alabama. When I was in Virginia, you made fun of West Virginia. And when I lived in New England, you make fun of maniacs. And so I'll just go ahead and jump in on that. But how much, how much uh, uh, per person uh, was the tax? Do you remember? Verse 24, it's, it's two drachmas. Now, two drachmas equals half of a shekel. Jesus pays one shekel for the tax. So that would cover how many people? That would cover two people. That covered Jesus and Peter. The problem is that when Jesus called his disciples, he calls them to drop everything, to drop their careers, drop all the resources. They just dropped everything, and they began to follow him. And, and so these guys had no money. In fact, they shared a money bag. Do you remember who was, in, who was responsible for the money bag? Who was their treasurer? 
Judas, right? Judas was the treasure, the old chump. And so if they ever needed something for ministry, they would look to Judas to take care of the finances. And, and, and he was the one who covered you know, the, the finances for all the guys. They didn't have other jobs. They followed Jesus after they left everything. So Jesus, when it's time to pay the temple tax, he pays for himself and for Peter. Now the question then is, is he leaving the other guys high and dry? Well, sorry guys, you had to drop everything, but uh, you're on your own for this one. Well, we'll look at Exodus chapter 30. We'll put that one on the screen for you. Exodus chapter 30, 13 and 14, when this, uh, this law comes from this passage here. Exodus 30, here's what it says. It says, each one who is numbered in the census shall give this, half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is 20 geras. Half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give the Lord's offering. So here's the law. The annual census, everyone who is numbered must pay half a shekel for the tabernacle, then the temple. But to me, be more specific, everyone from 20 years old and upwards. Jesus pays for himself, who we know is between 30 and 33 at the time, and he pays for Peter, who's a leader among the disciples, largely because of his age. That tells us that I don't think he left the other disciples high and dry. It tells us that 11 of the 12 disciples are teenagers. 11 of the 12 disciples are teenagers. The children's Bibles that I was reading as a child had it wrong because they would show these disciples of Jesus and they had these long beards that it would take a decade to grow. They were teenagers. That's incredible, right? That the people that Jesus chose to use to turn the world upside down were teenagers. Not the power brokers in suits, but the kid in sweatpants or skinny jeans. That's, that's who Jesus chooses to use to flip the world upside down. I want you to, to hear our heart. We want to join Jesus in seeing young people turn the world upside down. We are so committed to investing in middle school and high school and, and college age students. And, and I'm so excited that, that, that God has allowed us for the past couple of years to build a youth ministry and God's doing some really great stuff with our youth ministry and he's positioned us in a place in our city where we're able to, to, to see youth, middle school and high school and even some college students come uh, together and, and we're, we're positioning our youth ministry so that it will thrive over the next uh, handful of years because we have quite a few kind of older elementary school aged kids who will be rising up and so we're building it for them. For many of you, your children, we're building a youth ministry now for and for the thousands of, of youth around Parkway, Boston. And so a portion of our Christmas offering is going to be going to investing in them by sending them with scholarships to camp up in New Hampshire. We've seen God use this camp to profoundly change lives, and we believe that it can happen again. And so uh, I want you to know that, that as you give to the Christmas offering, you're giving to see God raise up leaders and to raise up uh, young people who will be uh, walking with him for, for years and years and years and years to come and who I believe will make a tremendous impact. They are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And so our Christmas offering, three ways. Neighborhood, world, youth. Serve Rosie, International Mission Board, and youth ministry to get them up to camp. And I, I, listen, I want to invite all of us to join God uh, in, in his mission. Scripture says uh, Paul is preaching this powerful sermon in, in Athens, and he says, Our God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
reality is, and I probably shouldn't say this, but the reality is God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. But God invites us in, and he says, you can be a part of what I'm up to. And the return on investment is more than you could ever know. And so I want to invite you this, this Christmas season to be a part of this uh, Christmas offering so that we can see uh, the light of Christ carried to our neighborhood, our world, and to uh, the young people that he's put uh, us uh, in the midst of. And so I want to invite you to give. I want to invite you to give today. Uh, if you're not prepared to give today, I want to invite you to take that envelope and, and bring it home and pray and just ask God, God specifically, what would you have me uh, to give? Uh, you have through the entire month of December, we've got three ways that you can give. You can give through the envelope that's inside of your river guide. You can give through the church app and uh, just hit the button give uh, right kind of in the middle of the app there, or you can go to the website and uh, go to the give section and be a part of that. But listen, I want to encourage you. Let's allow our most extravagant gift to be given to that which is most important. That is the mission of Jesus. We are a people who are not just gathering around a fire and just thinking insular. We are a people like God says, I put my light inside of you so that you can carry that light out, that you can go and be torch bearers. That's what God wants of us. I would, I would hate to miss an opportunity just to also invite you, if, if some of you are in here and you'd say, you know what, this is great. I like this, carry the light stuff. But the reality is I feel like my own heart is darkened right now. Um, the brokenness that, that we feel, the hopelessness that we feel, the brokenness in our world that we see uh, is because of sin. The Bible tells us that at the very beginning, uh, all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all broken. We're all sinful. And that is the reason the world is messed up as it is. But God has done something about it. God has not just kind of commissioned something. God himself became a man and entered into the mess. That's Jesus, the light of the world. And he took on our human flesh and he feels the pain. And he was immersed in the darkness and he did something that we could not do. He lived perfect undeserving of the wages of sin which is death yet he died to take on our sin for us to be our replacement on that cross by dying the death that we deserve not him in our place so that if you trust in him you have a relationship with God that has been restored through Jesus and you will still feel pain and you will still struggle but you have the hope that comes in Jesus and you know that he is making all things new and you know the end of the story and you're clinging to the hope at the end of the story that he will be the ultimate light and so the light is growing and growing and growing and growing as we're groaning and groaning and groaning and groaning and waiting for the day when we're with Jesus and all pain is gone, all death is gone, all suffering is gone. And the scripture says he will wipe away every tear from our eye. I want to invite you, if you've never given your life to Jesus today, to give your life to Jesus, to turn from sin, independence from him, and turn and say, Jesus, I want you, I trust in you and what you've done for me and become a Christian. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for the message of, of Christmas. What an amazing, what an amazing picture that we have. That you could, have, you could have come into the earth in any way, but you came humbly. And you entered into this, this broken world and you took on flesh and you felt pain. You were tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. And while you walked this earth, you told us that you're the light of the world. But you told us that if we abide in you, that, that we're in you and you're in us and that we can then be the light of the world. Not that we're God, but that 
that you're in us, and your hope is in us, and we're to carry that to the world. And so God, I pray that, that we as a church family would be that kind of people. First, would you allow us to be people who are lit up within? God, that you would, you would shine in the dark places, that you would expose our sin, and that you would allow us to see our need for a Savior, and then you would light up our hearts with joy and hope, even in the midst of despair. And if there's anybody here today, God, who doesn't know you, would you do a work in their hearts and, and cause them to trust in Jesus, to become a Christian? And then, God, I ask that for us as the church this year, that we would, we would go above and beyond in giving so that we can get the light of Christ to our neighborhood, to our world, and to the young people that you have uniquely equipped us to minister to. And so, God, help us to always, as a church, always be selfless, always to be thinking about others because that's who you are. And if you're in us, we want to be like Jesus. And so God, do something powerful this year through our offering. And Lord, would you make much of yourself and bring light and love and hope to dark places. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.